I was in the worst place of my entire life. I was involved in drugs. I was extremely depressed. I was extremely lonely and uh, started to, to isolate myself. I tried to portray like everything was was okay and you know everything was fine, but inside I was I was I was in a lot of pain. That's when I started to cry out to God. I was just praying. I said, God, if if you're real, please show up in my life. I'm living up in Cleveland, Ohio at the time. My mom is living in Slidell. Got on the phone and I told her, I said, Mom, either one of two things is gonna happen to me if I stay here. I'm going to end up dead, or I'm going to end up permanently in jail. She said, why don't you come down here and, and, and just get away? I was just enjoying living by the flesh, like enjoying the party lifestyle. I had just graduated from college. I had a great job. It was a very lonely lifestyle. I got into a car accident. My car was totaled, and I had no one to call. And I, I remember I had a walk-in closet, and I just cried in there. I was like, what is my life coming to? Just not knowing where to turn until somebody invited me to Church of the King. So I kept living my life, but I went to church, kept living my life, went to church, and just a little bit at a time um, until eventually I had met a few people at church that then invited me to the College and Twenties ministry. But I was so hesitant to dive all in because I knew what I'd be giving up which was fun and what I thought was giving me fulfillment. A week later, I made that decision. I packed up everything, everything that I owned, and I moved down here. Next morning, I came to Church of the King. I joined a small group. It was one of the very first things that I did. I started diving into a lot of the classes. There became a, a moment at one of the, the church's retreats, and that's the moment when I just fully surrendered my life to Christ. I felt an amazing sense of, of peace and joy just come upon me, and it's a moment that I'm, I'll never forget. Once I committed my life to Jesus, it was so much easier to just not even turn back. It's just been so much easier to walk out a life of freedom. Here we are now, four years later, married, living our, our best life, and about to have a baby, and just so happy. I'm so thankful to God that He's just so faithful. Life's just never been the same. Through all the hard times, through all the trials, through all the you know tribulations and challenges of life, once I made that commitment to, to fully surrender my life, I became spiritually alive. Welcome all of our campuses. I'm so excited. I want to welcome you guys to the fourth week of our series entitled If Only. I particularly want to welcome all the men and women every week in the Orleans Justice Center and the St. Tammany Parish Jail as well as a guest for this series, Calvary Chapel Bay St. Louis. Come on, can we just welcome all those that are joining us, man? We're excited to have you guys. Yes. What a powerful story of life transformation. Hey, if you guys are a guest here, we are in a series, a very exciting series called If Only. And we're, we're asking some questions. Some of the questions we're asking is, how can we get past our past? In other words, 
Some of us, we start off a new year in January, February. Man, we're so excited about a new year, and we've got goals, we've got hopes, we've got expectations. The problem is, is that we're often tethered to our past. And one of the areas that we are, what I would call, locked into is regret. Regret is an emotion. We have those thoughts, coulda, woulda, shoulda. I could have done this, I should have done that. The problem is, if you spend too much time in the coulda, woulda, shoulda land, it keeps you bound up. The second question we're asking during the series is this. How can we get to the end of our lives? By the way, last week, if you, didn't, if you were not here, I want to say this to all of our campuses. If you were not here last week, I'm asking you to download that because I talk about why does forgiveness matter? And I began the message talking about your 80th birthday party and you had all the people in the room, those that love you, those that you care about. But, but my question is, who is not in the room because of an unresolved relational issue? And I talked about the power of forgiveness. Listen, I don't want to get to the end of my life. I know you don't either. I don't want to get to the end of my life and I've got regrets because I didn't do what I could do. Paul said, as much as it depends upon you, Romans chapter 12. Hey, listen, as much as it depends upon us, let's try to do everything we can. Number one, we can forgive. Everyone say forgive. forgive. By the way, forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same thing. Forgiveness only requires one party. Reconciliation requires two. Forgiveness is the first step towards reconciliation. Here's what I want to do. I want to make sure that I don't get to that point in my life where I've got regrets because I haven't forgiven. So we're looking at all these different topics, man. Again, next week we're going to continue and then we'll finish up on our sixth week. We're looking at how we can live a life of no regrets today. Today I want to talk to you about how we can get stuck and how we can get stuck in our relationship with God. It's interesting, you know, the beginning of the year, one of the things that I write down, I write down how I want to grow in my relationship with Jesus. By the way, how many know we ought to end up the year more in love with Christ than in the beginning? In the same way in our marriage, the same way in our relationships, we, we ought to grow. Listen, we ought to be, be, be more in love with our spouse at the end of the year than we are in the same way in our walk with Christ. The problem is, here's the problem, the problem is we often get stuck. We can get stuck in our walk with God. Some of you, and I want to say this very respectfully, some of you that have been coming, maybe you got a flyer in the mail or somebody invited you through Facebook Live or somebody connected with you and said, hey man, our church is doing a series about how to not live a life of regrets and maybe this is week four for you coming here and you've never crossed the line of faith, you've never become a Christian and your issue is, is that you're stuck, you're stuck, in, you're stuck in some wrong patterns maybe about God. Man, by the way, we are so honored that you guys are here. I want to talk to you about how three ways that people get stuck. Number one, I want to talk to you about how some people get stuck in their relationship with God, and I would call it stuck in skepticism. How some people are just skeptical, skeptical in life, skeptical about God, skeptical just about everything. Number two, I want to talk to you about how some people get stuck in religion. I want to say a couple of statements. I want everybody to hear me. Religion and having a relationship with God are not necessarily the same thing. There's some people that are very religious, but they don't know Christ. They've never really received Jesus. They believe that their relationship with God is all about what their performance is. Number three, I want to talk to you about how some people do get stuck in performance. 
And I want to say this very respectfully. Going to church, listen, standing in the middle of a garage doesn't make you a car any more than going to church makes you a Christian. Well, that was a good place to say amen right there. Now, now, hey, listen, hopefully if you go to a good Bible preaching church, you can meet Christ in that church. Now, don't, don't misunderstand me, but, but, but just the act of going to church, just the act, the act of helping somebody that's poor, that doesn't make you a Christian. I want to talk to you today about how we can get stuck in skepticism, how we can get stuck in performance, how we can get stuck in religion. Ultimately, I want us to get unstuck by the grace of Christ where we can come into a vibrant relationship with Christ. Let me just say this. I hate getting stuck, particularly in my car. I don't know if anybody's ever been stuck in their car. I'm sure all of us at some point in time. We live in a climate that's pretty rainy. I mean, people get stuck. I'll never forget it. A number of years ago, uh, a tremendous man in our church invited me and said, Pastor, I've got some beautiful property. I know that you like shooting guns and shooting skeet and stuff. I'd like for you to go over. Just come check out, you know, and, and you and your kids, if you guys want to use it, we can fish and stuff. I thought, man, I was so excited. My heart was just like, yes. I didn't have to pray about that. It was the will of God for me to go. I just want to let you all know that, Okay. Of course, it had been raining a little bit, and, he, and, and so he'd said, you know, listen, here's an area you can do this, and here's where you can barbecue and do this. And, and there was another area that says, man, it's, it's, it's a great place over there. It's a little bit, here it is, it's a little bit wet. I probably wouldn't go over there right now. Of course, you know what that says to my personality? So, of course, I, I had an SUV, and my son, you know, as, as he went back, he said, i got to take care of some stuff. And so he went back, and, and so I just kind of inched along a little bit, and I just thought to myself, because it was so beautiful, I thought, you know, i got to check this out, you know. And, and, yes, I was one of those kids, right? And so <clears throat> I went over there, and so my son looks at me and said, Dad, Dad, I'm not sure we're supposed to go here. I said, just time out, son. This is a big truck, and we can get through this. <clears throat> so I thought. But anyway, so we pull up. We pull up, and it was just beautiful, and I went a little bit further, and it looked dry. I mean, you know, we walked by faith and not by sight. Are you all with me? And so I pulled in, and boy, I could feel that car just sinking. You, you know that feeling, and you're, you're just thinking to yourself, there's a choice. My choice is I can gun it and just kind of get out of here real quick. But if I do gun it, I'm going to dig my tires, and I'm going to end up in hell. Come on, you know what I mean. I mean, you're just going to go way down. Well, guess what? We ended up right there in hell. We're stuck. My son looks at me. I look at him, and I said, don't you say a word. Of course, we had to get the land over. He came out. He was kind of, and listen, I'm his pastor. He was chuckling. Pastor, you know, I just kind of told you. And I'm like, yeah, yes, you did. And so there's something about, there's something about getting stuck. Of course, we got out about an hour later, and, and that was that. But, but, but some of us, we're stuck in life a lot longer than that. Sometimes we get stuck. Something happens or something we do or something is done to us. And, man, you can get stuck for a long time. I'm going to talk to people that are stuck in their walk with God. Number one, I'm going to talk to those of you that maybe you are stuck in what I would call skepticism. And by the way, I put notes in your bulletin each week. And of course, if you're online, you can download those notes as well. I want to talk to you about how some people, some people get stuck in what I call skepticism. It's interesting when you think about skepticism. Skepticism is, what, what is skepticism? Some people are skeptical. They're just suspect of life. They're suspect of God. They're suspect of life. They're suspect of things. They're suspect of, uh, of yeah, you know, they're always, they're, their life view, their worldview is just so deeply, so deeply colored. 
And their view of God has been, well, maybe God, if God is real, he's, he's definitely absent. He's not involved in my life. And, and, and if he is there, he's, he's definitely not engaged, and they're skeptical. And I believe that there's some reasons why people are skeptical. I'm going to give you three. Number one, I want everyone to hear me. By the way, some of my messages... Are, are, are inspirational, and there'll be some of that in here where, where we get excited. I'll, 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 of course, always biblical truth, but, but some are a little bit more educational. Some are a little bit more informational. I would believe that this is one of those. So I need everybody to put on their thinking cap today. I believe some of the reasons why people get stuck in skepticism Three things. Number one is childhood wounds. Something happened to you as a kid that jarred your perspective of God. Number two, life's disappointments. Pastor, it didn't work out the way that I thought. Number three is pain. I want to talk to you about hardships in life. What takes place in somebody's life when they go through childhood trauma, through pain? They begin to experience things as a a child. And and, and listen, I I know if I had a microphone at all of our campuses and and, and we heard some of the things that you guys experience as as a child, Deep pain, the, the, the brokenness of life. Some of you guys have experienced abuse, whether it's physical abuse or, 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 or verbal abuse or other forms of abuse. And here's what happens. Your mind, neurologically, there's, a, there's, there's something that shifts. And, 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 and you come away with that. You, you, you come away with that, 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 that sense of, here's, here's the point. If God is up there and, and God's a good God, why has God allowed me to experience so much pain? And you get stuck. People get stuck right there in a skepticism. They begin to discount God. They begin to discount. If he does exist, he's definitely not engaged. Maybe he wound this thing up, but he stepped back, and this thing's just kind of doing its own thing. And if you go back and you begin to unpack that, you have to ask yourself, what happened to them? By the way, interestingly, sad, but interestingly, many agnostics or many atheists, those of you that have read history, you, you begin to unpack the background. You do what I would call an archaeological dig of their life, and you look at the psychological and the sociological impacts in their life, in their family, in their upbringing. Some of the most famous atheists, there was deep pain in their childhood. For instance, Nietzsche. Some of you have studied him in college, maybe in high school. He'd be the father of existentialism and nihilism. I mean, the guy was kind of the big three of the school of suspicion, Sigmund Freud, Karl Marx, and, and Nietzsche. And, they, and, and, and you look at his past, and you understand his father died when he was five. Deep abuse as a kid. Childhood illness. Could never go outside, could never play with the kids, could never do that. He was an isolated kid in the house because of physical illness alone. Lots of loneliness. You have to ask yourself, you have to ask yourself, were some of his philosophical meanderings and some of his ideological, some of those thought patterns, were some of those informed because of the brokenness of his soul? You have to ask, did he get stuck in skepticism because of those pains? Wow. You, you, you begin to think about it. I, I could go through a list of, of, of different people. But by the way, we have to ask ourselves. You, you look, on the new, you, you look in, in, in Hollywood, different influencers or, 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 or different singers or actors, and, and, and they, they, it seems like the rail goes off, just their, the train goes off the rail. And, you, and you've got to ask yourself, what was it? What was it that so deeply marked them? What pain in their childhood? 
And now they've either discounted God or they, listen, either God doesn't exist or if he does exist, he definitely is not involved in my life. Why? Because if, the, if God is up there, why, here's what they can't reconcile. If God is there and God is good at any level, then why am I in so much pain? It's hard in their minds to reconcile that. And so they get stuck, stuck in skepticism. And I want to say this very respectfully. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe you're joining us today and you think to yourself, you know what, Steve, you're, listen, you're exactly right. I, I got stuck. Something happened to me and, and, and I realized that in the, as a child, it's hard to process those things. It's difficult and that's what, what, what happens to some people. Maybe you were hurt by an authority figure. Maybe it was a, a, a coach. Maybe it was a, a teacher. Maybe it was a parental figure. And, and, and you made some what I'd call inner vows. You thought, you know what, I'm never going to, if God is anything like them, that I don't want to have anything to do with him. Wow. Sometimes we get stuck in disillusionment with life, disappointments with life. Number two, there's, a, there's, there's disappointments that take place. I wrote this down. If, we, if we're not careful, you can see enough corruption and abuse, and you can become jaded. You ever talk to somebody, they're just jaded. They're jaded in life. And I want to say this very respectfully to our law enforcement individuals. We have a lot of law enforcement men and women in our church, those that are in the military. How many of y'all appreciate all the law enforcement and the military? Man, we appreciate you guys. Man, we are praying for you. Man, it's tough. It's tough. You see things over and over, and there's killings, and there's murders, and there's, 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 there's just stuff. And, and, and we have some, some amazing people that have, that, that have uh, served in Afghanistan and Iraq. And I've talked to them as their pastor. I say, Pastor, I'm telling you. And PTSD and all this stuff, it's real. It's absolutely real. And, and it's, it's hard to reconcile it at times. And so there's, there's, they, they've seen so much stuff and there's such a disillusionment with life because of hurts, because of pain and disappointment. And I want to go a step further. Some of you, maybe you were disillusioned with religion. Maybe you were part of a church where a pastor did something that you just blew you away. I know I'm a pastor, so I'm speaking on behalf. Or maybe a priest. Maybe a rabbi, somebody in a religious experience that you looked up to and they disappointed you and you made an inner decision. Listen, if God is anything like that person, I don't want to have anything to do with God. That happens to people. And you get jarred by that. And you make decisions. Maybe it was a Christian school. Maybe it was a, a, a church. Maybe there was a, a, a Christian group or, or some sort of religious group that you were part of and somebody did something to you. And you get stuck. And now you look at it. It was 30 years ago, 40 years ago. And you realize that you've missed out. Listen, you don't want to get to the end of your life and have regrets because you didn't navigate and deal with the disappointments in a religious context, and therefore you missed out with God. I want to say something. This is so important. Be very careful, listen, equating man's poor decisions with God's goodness. Be very careful doing that. I'll give you another one. Sometimes it's just unexplainable pain. Some people have been skeptical because they've seen the suffering around the world. Injustice, genocide, disease, starvation, inequality, prejudice, terrorism. And, 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 and people, all of us, we, we see these things. and Senseless murders. And, and we make decisions about God. And maybe even some of you that are Christ followers. And maybe you've just taken some step back because there's been some confusion in your mind. You're thinking to yourself, and, and the, the theologically it's called theodicy. How can a good God allow us pain and suffering in the earth? Now let me just say this. I do not suggest to know all the answers. At 30, I could have told you, I can give you the answer. At 50, I'm like, I don't have all the answers. 
I did do a series called Questions, and, and we tried to give some answers to some of these things. I'm going to give you three authors. I don't recommend a lot of people on the weekend because I know there's probably something that they said that maybe doesn't agree with. Listen, there was only one perfect person. His name is Jesus, and we killed him, by the way. Humanity did. Let me give you three authors. All right, here we go. If you're interested, and maybe you've got somebody, or maybe you're struggling with some of these questions of, of God being good and, and evil in the earth, Ravi Zacharias, an author I've read a lot of, he is a brilliant, what's called an apologist. An apologist is a defender of the Christian faith and why he believes, what he believes, and what scripture teaches. Josh McDowell. Josh has been a friend of mine for a long time. Matter of fact, he's been at our church. And Josh is a tremendous, I think he's in his 80s. He's written a lot of, of work, a lot of stuff. Right? I think I put this in your notes. And then C.S. Lewis, who is, of course, probably one of the most famous Christian apologists. He was an agnostic, he was actually an atheist, taught at Oxford and Cambridge. And, and he had this, this experience with Christ. Matter of fact, he set out to dip, disprove the veracity of Christianity. And he became a Christian. By the way, if you want to disprove the Bible, don't set out and actually read the Bible to disprove it. Because how many you know God will speak to you through the Bible? I encourage you if you're interested, but I want to just say this as I go to the next point. Listen, I don't have all the answers, but I'm gonna, I know something. I know, I, know, I know it's painful. I know there's a lot of questions out there, but I want to just say this again, and I want to appeal to you. Please, let's be very careful. Let's not equate God with man's poor choices. Mankind is imperfect Jesus, God the Father, the Holy Spirit, the, the tri we believe God is perfect, man is imperfect, and let's make sure that we don't switch the price tags. Are y'all with me? And we also have a bad devil in the earth. God is a good God, and he wants to help you in your pain and suffering. Number one, sometimes we can get stuck in skepticism. Number two, another area we can get stuck is religion. Maybe that's where you find yourself today. I'm not sure. Listen, some of you say, you know what, I, Pastor Steve, I, I, I feel like I've done all the right things. And here, this is an honesty moment. Here's a transparency moment. All right, you guys ready? Here it is. Transparency moment. Some of you may say, listen, I do all the right things. I jump all the right hoops. I, I, I do all the right rituals. Whether you're part of Church of the King or any church. Or for that matter, any religion. And you think, you know what, I, 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 you know, I, I'm part of this and I do all these things. Listen to me very closely. Religion and being well-versed in religion. You can have a PhD in religion, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have a relationship with Christ. Because religion, basically religion, is man's attempt to do something in order to be right with God. Biblical Christianity is what God did in Christ in order to bring us into relationship with Him. So in other words, religion is do... Relationship with God is did, what he did for us. By the way, Paul the Apostle, our, our, our figure that we've been studying every week, he was very religious, but he didn't have a relationship with God. And that's why he said, our theme verse has been Philippians 3.13. If you go up a few verses before that, listen, listen to what Paul said about his, by the way, before his name was Paul, his name was what? Say it. Saul. Listen to what Paul said, listen, when his name was still Saul. Listen to this, Philippians chapter 3. He's giving his pedigree. He's giving his religious bio, all right? This is amazing. Paul says, listen, I was circumcised the eighth day. That's a big deal for a Jewish man. 
I was of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, 12 tribes of Israel, right? Jacob's name changed to Israel and his, his 12 sons. Benjamin, very high prestigious tribe within the Jewish, within the, the, the Jewish tribes. He said, listen, I was of the tribe of Benjamin. Man, I was on the top shelf. I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. By the way, concerning the law, you think that I didn't just know the law? I was a teacher of the law. I was a Pharisee. I mean, that's a pretty big deal. Look at verse 6. He says, concerning the zeal, oh man, I was fully engaged. I wasn't a Christmas and Easter only. Come on, are y'all with me? Some of y'all didn't get that. Some of y'all didn't get that. We'll just move right along. Persecuting the church, concerning the righteous, which in the law, blameless, man. I, listen, I crossed every T and I dotted every I. But, so if you looked at my life, you said, big time religion. Matter of fact, I got brownie points. I thought I was getting brownie points with God by killing Christians. I think I told you all that a couple weeks ago. I thought I had a conversation with this guy one time. I said, man, let me tell you something. He was really just regretting things in his past. I said, listen to me, man. Listen to me. This is very important. He said, you know what Paul did when his name was Saul before he was a Christian? He said, what? He goes, man, he killed Christians. He said this to me. He goes, that's not true. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. St. Paul, is in a, come on. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. God can forgive him. He can forgive you. Listen to me very closely. He was a religious man, but he didn't know Christ. But what things were gained to me, all of those religious accolades, all of those things I were doing, all those things I did. Here's what he said. Don't miss this. I want everybody to hear me. He says, these things, what things? All of those religious exercises, all of those things, I counted what? Everybody say it. Loss that I may gain who? Say it. Christ. In other words, I thought, Paul said this, I thought, I thought I had to do things in order to be right with God. I didn't realize that in order to be right with God, it's not what I do, it's what Christ did for me. I'll never forget when I was in Southeast Asia, I was, I was there and, and, and there was a person that was walking into a, uh, a temple and they had food. It's a very vivid memory for me. And they had this whole, whole bunch of food. Now, they were hungry, by the way. And they had all this food, and they are walking in this temple, and they spoke English. And I asked them, I said, what, what, what are you doing with that? Here's what they said. You guys ready for this? They said, I'm bringing this food into this temple in order to sacrifice it and give it to the gods so that they would give me favor. Listen to me closely. That's a picture of religion. I don't, listen to me, we don't, as Christians, we don't do something for God in order for God, watch this, in order for God to give us favor. That's religion. Relationship with God is I receive what Christ did on the cross for me. I receive and I believe that Jesus died for me and because of my belief in Christ, listen, listen, I'm made right with God because of what Christ did. I'm not made right with God because of what I do. One is religion, the other is relationship. One is due, the other one is did. I'm grateful that Christ did for me what I couldn't do for myself. Are y'all with me? <laughs> number one, some of you may be stuck in skepticism. Some of you, number two, may be stuck in religion. Number three, some of you may be stuck in performance. Now, I'm talking to Christians here. I'm talking to Christians. There's been a challenge throughout Scripture, and Paul talks about it. I'm going to show you in just a moment. 
that what happens is when some people come to Christ, and I want everyone to hear me, this is so important. What happens is after we come to Christ, after we put our faith in Jesus, after we become a Christian, the very grace of God that saved us, we forget that it's the grace of God that keeps us. And we forget, we forget that, we, we, we think that somehow, listen, we know that Christ saved us, we know that we couldn't do anything to save ourselves, but we forget that, and we think that after we become Christians, there's something that we have to do to save, to, to, to keep ourselves. And we get what I call stuck in performance. What does it mean to be stuck in performance? What it means to be stuck in performance is that, is that somehow we think, listen, we think that we need to keep up our walk with God. Listen to me closely. We think that, we, we, we realize that Christ saved us, but then we think it's about our willpower. We think it's about gritting our teeth. We think it's about our effort and our energy. Please hear what I'm about to say. I wrote this down. It's not our strength. It's not our power that keeps up our relationship with God. It's not our strength. It's not our power. This view of God is that God is critical, that God is mean, that God is picking us apart. The performance trap yields very little healthy living. It results in shame, fatigue, condemnation, weariness, missed expectations, and continual feelings of failure. In other words, the Christian that thinks that they have to keep themselves, listen to me, ends up being tired. Why? Because nobody can serve God out of their own strength. Do you know that after you become a Christian and you receive Christ, the blood of Christ washes you. You are given a gift. And it's the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the gift of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit, that is the power of God. That is, the, that, that is what gives you the strength to serve God. It's the power of God on the inside of you. So many Christians are tired and they're fatigued because they think, listen, I know I couldn't save myself, but I think I have to keep myself. No, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's God's power in us. The Apostle Paul, years after he was radically transformed by Jesus, focused on the performance trap. And by the way, he rebuked Peter. Peter had got caught up in religion again. The Apostle Peter. The whole book of Galatians is two things. Number one, Paul rebuking the Galatian church and warning them. Number two, rebuking his friend Peter. Because Peter began to think, okay, let me tell you something. I know that Christ saved me, but now if I'm going to be a good Christian, I've got to mix a little bit of Christianity, and I've got to mix a little bit of legalism and Judaism, because I've got to do some things in order to stay right with God. Listen to me closely. And Paul the Apostle comes into Galatians. Here's what he said, Galatians chapter 3. This only I want to learn. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit? Did you become a Christian by the works of the law, by what you did, or by the hearing of faith? Did you save yourself or did Christ save you? Did you do it on your own? Did you pull yourself up by your bootstraps or did you come to the mercy of God and allow Christ to save you, Peter? Are you so foolish, having begun in the spirit? You began this Christian walk. You knew Christ saved you. Are you now being made perfect by your own human efforts? Wow. Wow. Paul is talking rather firmly to the Galatian church, saying, hey guys, you started out great, knowing that you're saved by grace, but now you're edging back into performance. Well, pastor, time out. This is confusing me. Time out. 
Why do you talk about reading your Bible so much, Pastor Steve? Are you telling me that, that, that my, my, my reading my Bible doesn't, doesn't somehow uh, 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 make me right with God? No, it doesn't. Listen to me closely. I don't read the Bible to make me right with God. It's when I read the Bible, I, found out, I find out how right I am with God because of what Christ did for me. I find out the love that God has for me. I find out that I'm a chosen child of God, washed by the blood of Christ, filled with the power of God. Are you with me? This is God's love letter to you talking about how great God is and what God's done for you. I don't read the Bible to get right with God. Because we're right with God, because we know Christ, because he's drawn us, the Bible is God's love letter to us to tell us about God and to tell us who we are in God. That's why we should be excited about it. That's why we should come to the house of God. I don't come to church to get right with God. I come to church to hear about the greatness of God, to hear about how big God is and what God can do in our lives and, and who he is. You know that you know I'm telling you the truth. When you, when you sing a song about the greatness of God, it just faith rises in your heart, doesn't it? And you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute, if God can do anything, this situation I'm in, this child, it is so small versus the bigness of God. That's why Church of the King, let me tell you, Church of the King is not where you come and hear how great you are or how bad you are. It's how great God is. Are you with me? Now, we understand original sin. We understand the flesh is not helpful. And we understand we become the righteousness of Christ. But good gospel preaching talks about the greatness of God, of who Christ is. The moment you get the revelation of God's grace, God's power, what God's done for you, Jesus is Savior. Jesus is Deliverer. Jesus is Healer. He is the one that fills you with His power. Man, all of a sudden, faith comes by what? Come on, say it. Hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Man, I don't read the Bible to get right with God. When I read the Bible, I realize who I am in God, who God is, who Christ is in us, what Christ has done for us. My heavens. Number one, sometimes we can get stuck in skepticism, and that's where some of you are right now. You're stuck because of a hurt, a pain, a challenge, because of some suffering that you may have experienced in your life. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is here. God by this Spirit is here to love you, to help you, to help walk you through that. Number two, some of you, some of you may be stuck in religion. You thought, you thought, you thought it was religious performance that made you right with God. And you failed to realize, and I say this respectfully, that it was Christ's performance for us on the cross. It's what Jesus did for us. And the moment you realize that, let me tell you something. Why is religious performance not save you? Because if it can save you, then you got, let me just tell you that, then you'll be prideful because you perform better than others. Or you'll be ashamed because you do less than others. Number three, sometimes we get stuck in performance. I've been there before. You want to get excited about your Bible reading? It's not like, well, I got to read the Bible. <sighs> Why? Because that's what pastor said, and it's January, and I don't want to end up, you know, in June, and I'm still in Genesis chapter 10. That's the first book of the Bible, by the way, if you don't know that. <laughs> you know, he's going to make the little jokes, you know, and I like church, I like the music, you know, but he's going to talk about the Bible. All of a sudden, if you get this revelation, I want to get up in the morning, I'm so hungry for God, I want to hear about God, I want to hear about what he can do, I want to hear about miracles, I want to hear about Christ and me and being a follower of Jesus and who God has made me to be in here. Man, all of a sudden, it's like, yes, 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 yes. Number three, or number four in conclusion, we get unstuck through the grace of Jesus Christ. Grace saves us, 
Grace empowers us. Grace keeps us. Yeah. Grace is how God reaches out to the skeptic and says, I'm here for you. I'm intimately aware of all of your challenges. Matter of fact, I know what happened to you when you were a kid. And I saw what happened to you. And I'm right here to heal you, to restore you, to work in you, not to shame and condemn you. I love what the Bible says. Jesus himself said this. He says, I've come into the world, not to condemn the world, but in the world. Yet through me, the world might be saved. God reaches out to the the religious person that doesn't know Christ. Stop striving. Stop trying to do something in order to be right with God. Allow what I did on the cross to become a revelation to you. That you can know me. That you can walk with me. You don't have to bring anything. You don't have to do anything. It's, hey, by the way, it's Christ plus nothing equals salvation. How do you improve on a gift? The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, Christ being a gift, how do you earn a gift? You receive a gift. Maybe that's where some of you are right now. We get unstuck by the grace of God. I'll never forget in my life, and you guys have heard the testimony so many times, when, when, as, when as a young man, I, I, I came to that place at 19 years old. I was in college, and I was so tired. I was so tired. I, I was like on that little hamster wheel, and, 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 and I was so tired because I, I just couldn't change myself. But when I came to Christ, I'll read this last scripture. I'll close. L- listen to this. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 11, it says this. Come to me. Everyone say, come to me. That's to Jesus. That's an invitation. Come to me. Yeah, come to me. All you who labor, it's hard out there. It's heavy. It's burdensome. Hey, guys, I got to tell you something. Life's hard enough without God. How do people do it? How do people, life's hard enough at times walking, excuse me, with God. How do people do it without God? Well, what do you, who do you go to? Who do you cry out to? Yourself? That's scary. All those that labor, you're working hard, sir. Everybody sees your professional accomplishments, and that's commendable. But that doesn't get you to heaven. Providing for your family doesn't get you to heaven, ma'am. It, providing for your family, those are good things. Coaching your son's baseball team, good thing, doesn't get you to heaven. All you labor and are heavy laden. It's hard, burdensome. It says, if you come to me, I'll give you what? Everybody say this word, say it. Rest. That's spiritual rest, which produces emotional rest. By the way, ultimately produces physical rest. I remember when I finally came to that place where I'm like, man, I cannot strive anymore. October 27, 1987. I said, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me. For, for, Lord, I can't change myself. I can't self-improve. My, I, I, can't, I, I can't pull myself. And I come to Jesus. When you come to Jesus, He is the one that can save you. He is the one who can heal your soul. He is the one that can deliver you. He is the one that can set you free. Jesus is the one. Come to Him. Come to Him. Come to Him.
I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads at all of our campuses. I just sense the Holy Spirit, man, right, right now. Maybe you're in a place, and I, I don't know why you're here. Somebody may have brought you, or maybe you, you heard about it. Maybe you got a flyer. Maybe somebody Facebooked you, I, I, direct message you. I, I don't know. But you're here, and God loves you. God's not mad at you, and I want to pray for you. I promise you I'm not going to do anything to embarrass you, but just a moment. If you say, Steve, I need Jesus. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. I'm not sure if I die today, I'm ready to stand before God. If that's you, just a moment, all of our campuses, I want to pray for you. I'm, going to, I'm just going to ask in just a moment for, simply for you to raise your hand right where you are. Our campus pastors are on stage at all of the different campuses right now. If you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. You're, you're, you're speaking to me today. I realized that I got stuck years ago. I made some decisions. And I equated a man's decision with God. And I, I realized I backed away from God. And I've been stuck. I've been stuck. I've, and, and I don't want to get to the end of my life. Matter of fact, I don't want to go a day further where I've, where I've missed out on the vibrancy and the joy and the peace of knowing Christ because I'm stuck in some past pain. Do you know Christ? Do you know that you know if you die today, you're ready to stand before God? With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed, say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. If that's you at the counter, would you just lift your hand up high so I can see it? One two, three. Quickly, I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. God bless you, sir. God bless you guys as well. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. God bless you, honey. God bless you, sir. God bless you, buddy. God bless you. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. God bless you, ma'am, right there. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. God bless you and you as well. Anybody else? God bless you. I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. God bless you, buddy. With everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed at all of our campuses, church, let's pray with those that are trusting Christ. Come on, can we do that together? This is the most important thing, the most important prayer they could ever pray. Let's pray together. Say, dear Jesus, come on, everyone. Dear Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. Now I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, I take my life and I put it in your hands. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name.